this is WTM. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W-G-M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I am Eric Mulder. You're sorry. Check my shorts for Christ's sake. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity. That's what they call me. Chicken dippers! That other manager at work today was just thrown for a loop. <laughs> I I don't... Uh, Who calls you this? <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> Everybody that listens to this show knows what's up. Am I right or am I right? Am I right? Am I right? There's even a, a Mr. Positivity t-shirt that you can get. <laughs> Where can so, they get it? So you can go to <laughs> teespring.com uh, slash stores slash WTM watch this movie. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of me, you can get it. Or you can tell other people that you yourself are Mr. Positivity. Yeah. And it works if you actually are a positive person. It's not trademarked. So. Or or if you're a pessimist with a sense of irony. You're losing out on those trademark dollars. Well... I'll just take the t-shirt dollars for now. You can get it on a mug, too. Actually, the, the promo code HORROR actually works on that one. There you go. Get uh, you 10% off. 10% off. So it works on that one, and it works on the graffiti one. The other ones apparently have too many items to choose from, even though they have fewer items than the graffiti one. So I might scale those back some more and see if I can get that fixed, but... I like to have the selection out there for you folks, you yeah. know. I, I thought this was more of a Teespring problem that they're currently trying to fix with no timetable. It is a Teespring problem, but yeah. that's that's their uh, solution for now. Okay. So I think, at least for the time being, when I add more stuff, I'll I'll keep it to a, kind of the bare minimum. Uh, I'll give you all a little bit of a selection, but... It won't be as wide and varied as what we've had on there in the past. Yeah, so that promo code works on at least a few things and maybe other things. Right now it works for sure on the Mr. Positivity one and the Graffiti one. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the others. Follow us on Twitter for updates at WatchThis underscore movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1. Yeah. Speaking of Twitter, <laughs> at a uh, presumably a fan of the show, I, I don't think so. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> uh, her name is Krista, and uh, you know I know she's a fan because this is what she she wrote to me. She wrote, "quote You suck." End quote. <laughs> Thank I don't, you, I don't Krista. Think she's a listener. <laughs> she doesn't follow me. I don't know. My DMs are are uh, open, so uh, she was able to send me one over. But uh, thank you, Krista, for the uh, constructive feedback. Speaking of feedback, we actually got a positive review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rather, 
Five stars. Great podcast. Really funny. Reminds me of MST3K at times, which I don't know if I want to <laughs> allow us to be compared to those guys because they're That's local a, legends. They are. That's a lofty uh, <laughs> uh, compliment. Yeah, especially when uh, we have a completely different format. But I can kind of see what they're getting at, but I wouldn't heap that praise uh, at the feet of myself or, or you. <laughs> We appreciate it anyways. Yeah, that was from, don't know who it's from because it's their username is F-D-T-H-V-D-H-H. Got to be a fake. Is that one I, of your burner accounts? <laughs> no, mine aren't. Did you feel bad when somebody said you suck? You're like, I got to get some positive vibes on the show. <laughs> mine are uh, either more or less creative than that. You think that's an acronym? What was it? F-D... F-D-T-H-V-D-H-H. I was longer inspector, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to. I'd have to look at it. I'm a visual learner, I think. Yeah. Oh, well. You can't just spell stuff at me. It's hard for me to, you know. I'm blanking on a word. <laughs> that, what's the word I'm looking for there? I don't know. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forgot what you were even talking about while I was trying to go on to the next topic. So I kind of quit listening. <laughs> Checked out for a minute. Oh, okay. At the exact wrong moment. This is why Krista has texted me that I suck. <laughs> Usually quicker than that. Speaking of people who suck... Did you hear that me and Mulder went head-to-head in fantasy football <laughs> this week? And I whooped that ass. Not as much as he could have, but he did. Well, the Bears got you some garbage points on uh, yeah. on Monday night. The it wasn't Bears garbage. Defense. It was all in the first half. <laughs> you could say the rest. The, uh, the team of, from Washington are, are garbage. In terms, of, <laughs> in terms of our matchup, where I was up by 40 going into the Monday night game. 43 almost. Yeah. All right, but that's neither here nor there. Special thanks to uh, Movie Drone. They played our promo last week on their It episode. Also, uh, Cinematically Correct played our promo on their Alita Battle Angel episode. That they did. Which I know everybody went and saw that. So, uh, well, it was pretty popular for a while. I heard it was popular among a certain demographic. <laughs> Is that the same demographic uh, we're told to stay away from? We, I don't what, huh? I guess what what Twitter tells us <laughs> and Yahoo News. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. They uh, they didn't like that other movie about a female alien superhero, so they're like, "This Alita thing is our shit." <laughs> Uh, I don't want to get in the middle of that. I regret. I asked that on Twitter when they asked for listener questions, and everybody wanted to chime in. I thought it was going to be for the podcast. (laughs) But uh, our promo ran on that episode. They didn't really get into the political stuff, so uh, check it out. Yeah, cinematically correct. And if you're new, if you heard our promo on either of those shows and came check us out, welcome. We're here. Get used to it. 
<laughs> we're just like Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> just like that review said. Yeah, not so much. Um, and sometimes we suck. Yeah, this is a uh, recently seen episode. So we're going to talk about movies that we've recently seen, and then we'll give them a rating. Speaking of which, if you are new to the show, we have a unique rating system. It's a five-tiered system. You can kind of think of it like a five-star rating system. It's not, but it is. It tells you uh, we we rank them in order of uh, how you should prioritize viewing uh, your movies. If you're trying to figure out, you know, I have these movies I want to see, but should I watch the uh, which ones first and then which ones yep. can hold off till later? Yep. If you're a movie lover, this will help you prioritize your viewing list. So starting at the top, WTM ASAP. Watch this movie as soon as possible. Those are the best of the best. The creme de la creme, as they say. Movies like 2001, or I know you're not a big fan of that one, but that's on that list. <laughs> it's in that category. You know, Citizen Kane. uh it's a lot of Apocalypse uh, now. A lot of revolutionary movies too that yeah that really broke a lot of uh, boundaries as far as filmmaking goes for trendsetters. Yeah, we also typically give it to our favorite movies of the year. Uh, you know, one each, and then I mean we can give the rating at any time, but it's pretty rare that we give it out. Mm-hmm. Next step down is Soonish, WTM Soonish. Uh, those are movies that kind of just missed the cut of the ASAP. They're all. Great films. Recommend that you see him soonish. Mm-hmm. Uh, next step down, the middle tier is the eventually category. And that is kind of our official stamp of approval. It means you should watch the movie eventually, you know, at least before you die. Or if it's currently in theaters, you should check it out in the theater. Because that's always the best place to watch a film. Next step below that is the last resort category. You know, those are films that, again, kind of just missed the cut. Uh, there's some good ones in there. There's movies in there that we like. Yeah. At the very least, there's there are movies that we found something redeemable about it. Kind of like, a, you know, you if you check this out, maybe you'll like it. Right. And it's some of them are more of a niche audience. Like, yeah. You know, it might not be our cup of tea, but somebody else might, you know, enjoy it a lot more. But. Mm-hmm. Either way, like if you throw it on there, there's something on there that'll, you know, give you a little bit of entertainment. Yeah, basically we threw them in that category because we just didn't have the heart to throw them in the. Eventually. Uh, <laughs> no, didn't have the heart to throw them in the oh. never category. Well, That's he, for sure. He, they weren't quite an eventually, and the they're still not like ones that you should avoid completely. Yeah, that is the watch this movie never category. Uh, yeah, never watch them. They're piles of shit. <laughs> Not worth your time. We typically uh, don't give out that rating too often either. Because we generally at least find something that we like in a movie. Yeah. We're, we're, we're movie fans. And if there's movies out there that we know we're not going to like, we just don't go and see them. For the, yeah, for the most part. This isn't a show where we review every movie that comes out every weekend. God, that would suck. Although this weekend you might be uh, forgiven to think that might be what mm. we're doing. Yeah, you watched three new releases at the theater. You were just there every day. I can't go back till Friday. <laughs> I've used my three for the week. Yeah, you're AMC A lister. Yeah, getting your use out of that. If 
I already made my money back this week or this uh, this month. Yep. So we're going to talk about some movies we've recently seen uh, without spoilers. And at the end of the episode, we have what's called the movie challenge, where uh, last recently seen episode, Brett challenged me to watch The Crow because I had never seen it. And then we'll talk about that uh, with spoilers. Mm-hmm. Talk about a per- first without, and we'll kind of wrap up the show. And then we'll talk maybe an extra 10 minutes or so with spoilers discussing then, said movie. And then this episode, Eric will challenge me to watch a movie for our next recently seen episode. That is correct. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start first because I'm going to talk about four films, including The Crow. And you have three. So first up, foreign film, Korean Ooh. Japanese as well. There's a, they had a different color subtitle for each language, which oh, was kind of different. I'm glad you specified it was for the subtitle. Mm-hmm. It's a Korean director uh, from 2016, The Handmaiden from Chan Wook Park is the director. Uh, he also did uh, Thirst, Old Boy, did that whole re- uh, Revenge uh, trilogy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance. Hmm. Yes. Very uh, great director. Uh, starring, bear with me, <laughs> Min Hee Kim, uh, Jung Woo Ha, Jin Wung Cho, So Ri Moon, Terry Kim, Hai Suk Kim, Sin Yoon Ha, Hana Han, Haram Jong, uh, Yang Nio Lee. That's about it for the cast. <laughs> Synopsis. A woman is hired as a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress, but secretly she is involved in a plot to defraud her. So, this movie was excellent. Uh, performances are terrific. So, like the main plot involving this handmaiden, she kind of comes from a, she's an orphan, but comes from a, she was raised by a family of, Con artists, pickpockets, thieves, that sort of thing. Could you say it's a handmaid's tale? <laughs> it is a tale of a handmaiden, yes. Okay. Sans Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> so they I, hatch up a what, scheme. Wait, what does that mean? Without Elizabeth Moss. I don't understand. She's the main actress in The Handmaiden's Tale. Oh. <laughs> Do you really not know who Elizabeth Moss is? No, I know you didn't watch Mad Men. I've never seen the show. Okay. Neither I haven't seen the show either, but she's been in some things. No, I'm I'm just joking. I know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to see if you were would explain it. I joke, I joke, I joke. Why you not know joke when you hear joke? <laughs> Probably because you're so deadpan. I'm not Mr. Excitement. I'm Mr. Positivity. <laughs> Sometimes those go hand in hand, but that's a discussion, debate I, for another day. I don't see how you make that jump. <laughs> I'm just saying you can make it if you wish. So, uh, yeah, the, the scheme they hatch up is they're going to kind of plant her in this uh, heiress's palace. She lives with her uncle. And uh, there's another man that's involved that's going to come and try and woo her court her and Woo! he's going to try and abscond with her to Japan to marry her and then prove or at least 
allege that she has gone crazy and <laughs> she should be locked up in the madhouse. Okay. And then he gets all of her money. And the handmaiden's job is to help convince her, okay. help her along the way. So I don't want to so say too... So it's kind of like Gaslight. <laughs> yeah. No, the movie Gaslight. Yeah. It's kind of like that. I guess. I've never seen Gaslight, so I guess I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but from the title... It sounds it sounds <laughs> a little like that. Um, I don't want to say too much because there's a lot of twists and turns in here. It's best if you not know much going in. But there is some bananas stuff in here. I'll just leave it at that. I will give this a soonish. Soonish. What right. you watched recently, Brett? Bunch of new releases. 2019 films. All my movies are from 2019. Uh, the first one, we talked about First Blood. <laughs> Back in June or no, July? August. Oh, that's right. That was August. Yeah. Uh, and today I'm going to talk about Rambo Last Blood, uh, directed by Adrian Grunberg, stars Sylvester Stallone, Paz Vega, Yvette Monreal, uh, Sheila Shaw, Oscar Yanata. Uh, I think that's most of the main cast. There's some other people, but they're not as important uh, to the story. Uh, Rambo must confront his past and unearth his ruthless combat skills to exact revenge in a final mission. So, yeah, uh, in the years between the last movie, which was called Rambo, and this movie, he's been living on the family ranch down in Arizona, and he kind of... It's not real clear, but he has a uh, an older woman and that woman's granddaughter live with him. And it sounds like the uh, the granddaughter's parents used to live there, but her mother has died and her father abandoned the family and went back to Mexico. And so Rambo kind of raised this girl and she's just uh, graduated high school and is about to go to college. But she wants to uh, find out why did her father leave the family and despite pleas of uh, Rambo and her grandmother, she decides to take it upon herself to go confront her father. And while she's uh, down there, you know, some bad stuff happens to her, and uh, Rambo has to go Rambo. And uh, it's pretty fucking sweet. Rambo's gonna Rambo. It's, uh, it's pretty much everything you would expect and want to see in a Rambo movie at this point. They, they cover some of his PTSD and mental issues, uh, which is a little bit of a throwback to the first one. But then you also get Rambo off, off his meds <laughs> with some of the most creative violence I've seen in an action movie. Since the last Rambo? <laughs> pretty much. Uh, like I said, they're really creative in the way that they uh, they create this violence uh, of Rambo basically trying to kill everybody who's hurt him by hurting people that are close to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fucking fantastic. Uh, I loved every minute of it. And uh, if you like Rambo, I 
find it hard to believe that you would not like this movie. So I would recommend it to any Rambo fans, uh, action movie fans in general, as a soonish. Soonish. I've heard some things that it's a bit slow and until the end, basically. It's uh, they do some character development. I mean, okay. it's not. There's there's a section in the beginning where you kind of build up the story of, or the you know the the relationship between Rambo and this young girl that he's kind of mm-hmm. she calls him Uncle John and, uh, you know they kind of get the backstory of her family and you know what happened to her parents and, it sets up the. You, you kind of need that so that the violence makes more sense. Yep. You know, and uh, it's, uh, I thought they did a good job. And then when it got time to kill some motherfuckers, he did not disappoint. All right. He does not leave anybody for dead. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about what just happened? Horrified. Shocked. Horrified. Shocked. Three months ago, you were horrified. How do you feel now? Shocked. Horrified. Shocked. Horrified. (laughs) Uh, So since we are in the midst of our horror extravaganza, our two-month-long look at mainly horror films, at least in all of our specific episodes, it's all horror films. Uh, I've, you know, started to watch some more horror recently, stuff that I haven't seen yet, mostly on Shudder or Amazon Prime. Uh, I saw a slasher from 1987 called Blood Rage. It was directed by John Grismer, Grismer? starring uh, Louise Lasser, Mark Soper, Julie Gordon, Jane Benson, Marianne Cantor, James Farrell, Ed French, Brad Leland, and a little cameo with uh, Ted Raimi. His brother's famous. That he is. Ted's in a bunch of stuff. Ted was pretty fun in uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Who did he he's play the, in He's the bartender. His okay. buddy. Okay, I see. Yeah. I don't think he makes it out of the second season. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, then again, like everybody in that show dies and comes back and dies. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic show. Yeah. I did hear they're doing some more uh, Evil Dead stuff. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's Sam Raimi's coming back, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Bruce Campbell was teasing it on Twitter. Recently? In the past past couple, couple weeks months. well i don't know a couple weeks maybe a month or two ago he was teasing like by the end of the year they were gonna have something because i thought i heard about a year ago maybe after the series ended that he kind of announced like it was retirement from the character basically he's putting down his chainsaw yeah and i don't know if it's it, i don't think it's going to be a continuation of ash versus evil dead and i don't know if it's even going to be a movie but he's been teasing something for evil dead um and i don't know if it's coming out later this year or they're not going to announce it later this year but yeah kind of saw some buzz about that not that long ago all right stay tuned so the synopsis for blood rage is 
As kids, Todd is institutionalized for a murder whilst his twin goes free. Whilst? 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 That's a, that's a British thing. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't say that in America. <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ten years later, on Thanksgiving, Todd escapes and a killing spree begins in his neighborhood. So, this actor, Mark Soper, he plays Todd and Terry. Identical twin brothers. So he's playing two roles. Todd and Terry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of starts with them as kids and they're at a drive in a movie theater. And uh, Terry just randomly murders somebody with an axe or a hatchet, rather. And he kind of just rubs some of the blood from himself onto Todd and then hands him the hatchet. And he's in a catatonic state. Yeah. So he just kind of points at him and like, hey, everyone, you know, it was him. <laughs> and so they lock him up in the lo- the loony bin. I'm using terms from 1987, so <laughs> just gloss over that. Uh, Been watching a lot of movies about people going <laughs> to institutions for mental health. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, he escapes when he's around, I guess, 18 or so. And it's around Thanksgiving. This is a Thanksgiving movie. Wow. So you don't really see too many of those. Not too many. Um, I thought this was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, there's some good special effects, some good kills. You know, cheesy 80s slasher. Nothing really stood out. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like pretty decent. You know, you could do a lot worse. Um, so, yeah, fun to be had definitely with this. If you're really into, you know, campy 80s slashers. This will be right up your alley. I know it was on Shudder. Uh, there was a Joe Bob Briggs episode on it, but I couldn't get that to work. Weird. Because um, I think they took Blood Rage off of Shudder, but that episode is still up, so I don't know if that's the problem. Hmm. But I watched it on Amazon Prime, so it's on there. I'll give it a last resort. It's a last resort. All right. You can do a lot better, but you can do a whole lot worse, too. So my next movie is uh, just a huge box office blockbuster hit. <laughs> Not. It's called The Goldfinch. Have you heard of The Goldfinch? I have. Have you heard anything good about The Goldfinch? I have not. That's shocking. Uh, directed by John Crawley. Uh, it stars Oaks Fagley, uh, Ansel Elgort. Hey. It's F-E-G-L-E-Y. You knock off that kind of language. F-E-G-L-E-Y. Did you just say the F word? <laughs> Ansel Elgort, who is Baby Driver, not Kingsman. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Jeffrey Wright. Luke Wilson. Uh, Sarah Paulson. Uh, Willa Fitzgerald. Anurin Bernard. Finn Wolfhard. Ashley Cummings. Uh, Amy Lawrence. Uh, uh, I think we can stop there. Uh, synopsis. A boy in New York is taken in by a wealthy Upper East Side family after his mother is killed in a bombing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So this is a, it's a bit of a slow burner. It's a, it's a character study of, uh, the character's name is Theo. He's played by Ansel Elgort as an adult and, uh, by that Oaks Fegley as a kid. 
And so it it follows this character from his trip to the Metropolitan Museum of Art with his mother, where she's killed in the bombing. Uh, and then it kind of goes through his transition to his foster family, and then uh, his older, uh, I guess, kind of middle school, high school years. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into kind kind of some of his adult life and throughout it he you know he builds up relationships with people that you know the family that took him in after the bombing he builds up a relationship with uh, a girl that was there at the museum at the time of the bombing with him Um, and then her grandfather's business partner at the uh, antique shop that they they ran and I thought they did a fantastic job of kind of telling the story in a way that made it interesting. Um, it was I thought it was fascinating how they you know unfolded the tale of uh, this this boy and how he kind of grew up uh, um, after this tragedy. I thought the performances were good. The only thing I could say you know that's kind of a downgrade for me is. You could kind of feel the two and a half hour runtime. Yeah. You know, and it's a bit of a slow burn, like I said. So um, I don't know exactly what they could have cut out. There's a lot of story there that they they left in. But otherwise, I'm surprised that this is getting such poor reviews because it seems like it has uh, a lot of stuff that you would want in an Oscar nominee. The Um, Oscar bait movie, huh? That fell on its face, apparently. And I, I did look at some of the criticism against it, and it seems like the criticism is that it's too true to the source material and not true enough to the source material. At the same time. At the same time. Um, cinematography is great. I thought the editing was good. Yeah, I, I think it's worth seeing. You all should check it out eventually. Eventually. And it's probably not in theaters anymore, which kind of sucks. <laughs> You're really going against the grain with your last two movies. Although I think they both have the same score on Rotten Tomatoes, like right around 25, 26. But the audience score is like in the 70s for both. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. The next movie I'm going to talk about is the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. I saw a comedy crime drama thriller movie. From 1982. Oh, I thought it was Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. It is the... Because that could describe Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. (laughs) It is Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. I listed the different genres because kind of, I guess, what, what I thought about it going into it and then what I thought about it after seeing it. Mm-hmm. It was a little is different than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But uh yeah, directed by Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Jerry Lewis, Diane Abbott. Jerry Lewis, not Jerry Lee Lewis. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just Jerry Lewis. Uh Sandra Bernard. Does he, is it Bernhardt? I yeah. think it's Bernhardt. Yeah, but there's no T. I thought there used to be a I thought there was a T at the end of her hey, name. It's Jake Mandel effect. <laughs> so it's Sandra cuz I always thought of Bernhardt in my head but that's a d isn't it yeah 
I thought it was a DT. Oh, but I don't know. She was Madonna's special friend. Was she? I wish you had that clip from uh, Home Alone. Biff, your girlfriend. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Buzz. Buzz. (laughs) Biff is from the other movie. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Future? I just assumed it was... I I forgot that it was Buzz. Just big oafs are always named Biff. Yeah. That's not the important part. Ed Hurley, Lou Brown, Loretta Tupper, Marta Heflin, Catherine Scorsese, his mom. She's in a bunch of his movies. Chuck Lowe, Liza Minnelli. Hey. Dr. Joyce Brothers makes an appearance. (laughs) That's a dated reference. (laughs) Yeah, there's some... uh, Why don't you explain to the kids who Joyce Brothers is? (laughs) I'll leave that to you. She was like the Dr. Phil, well, more like Dr. Oz of her day. More so in the 80s. It was probably her heyday, your late 70s, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm younger than you, so. Dr. Phil isn't a doctor, but he, and he gives advice where Joyce Brothers, I think, is a real doctor. Didn't she just do sex advice? She might have, but I thought she did other stuff, too. And she's been old since the 50s. <laughs> well... Remember, she was in Loaded Weapon 1. Yeah. I just heard uh, Films on Trial talk about that, and they didn't know who she was. Oh, really? She was born in 27. American psychologist. Yeah, I think you're confusing her with somebody else with the sex ed stuff. Well, who's the other old lady that used to talk about that stuff? On Dr. TV? Ruth? That might be it. Yeah. Who was her name? I forget Dr. Ruth something. Maybe it's her sister, Dr. Ruth Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> They're the brothers' sisters. <laughs> Anyways, back to King of Comedy. Uh, synopsis. That'd be weird because Dr. Joyce Brothers' maiden name isn't Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> synopsis. Uh, Robert, or sorry, Rupert Pupkin is a passionate yet unsuccessful comic who craves nothing more than to be in the spotlight, and to achieve this, he stalks and kidnaps his idol to take the spotlight for himself. So Jerry Lewis runs an evening talk show. He's kind of the Johnny Carson of his day. That's his character. And, uh, yeah, Robert De Niro and Sandra Bernhardt are just obsessed with him. Hmm. Stalkers, basically. They're outside... You know, the back entrance after every show, along with a lot of other people. But, you know, they know everything about him. And Robert De Niro's character is also obsessed with comedy. He's constantly going over routines or having imaginary conversations with Jerry Lewis by himself. Okay. And uh, he never goes on stage to, like, try out his act. He's, you know, he's... One of those people who thinks he can just try and talk to Jerry Lewis and like, I'll, I'll get on the show. Right. So that's what he tries to do. Uh, unsuccessfully. Until which point um, him and Sandra Bernhardt hatch a scheme to kidnap <laughs> Jerry Lewis. Why is everybody kidnapping people in these <laughs> movies that you watch? <laughs> I don't know. Well, there wasn't kidnapping in Blood Rage. 
and handmaiden uh it was more trickery it was a gray area <laughs> yeah it wasn't a kidnap <laughs> it was a marry her under the pretense of love <laughs> and then say psych and then tell people she's crazy it was a kidnapping on the dl but, uh, yeah, I kind of thought that there would be more comedy in this. There isn't even a lot of scenes with Jerry just doing his show. Mm-hmm. Like, there isn't too much monologue-type jokes from Jerry. It's more behind-the-scenes stuff, kind of behind-the-scenes at the show. But uh, the performances are really great. I haven't seen Jerry Lewis in too many things. I haven't gone back and watched all of his comedies and whatnot. I think I've only seen him maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was fantastic in here. It's more of a dramatic role for him. But he was great. Uh, I could definitely see him giving out great performances in other films as well. I know he's obviously more well-known for his comedy. Right. I know he's right. great at that. But And from stealing money from kids with MS. <laughs> no. There's muscular dystrophy. Not multiple sclerosis. <laughs> I used to watch the MDA, Mar- MDA marathon. He's known for, for Labor Day. Okay, <laughs> he's known for stealing money from kids with MD. <laughs> oh, was he ever caught doing that? I don't know. He, it was an Ice Cube lyric, so it must be true. <laughs> Get your news from Ice Cube. Uh, yeah, he raised he probably billions of dollars. He hasn't for muscular me, yeah. dystrophy, allegedly, because it seems like it was. Million, tens of millions every year. Then it was like a hundred or two hundred million every year at that marathon. Well, he's on WGN, so I don't know. That was the Superstation, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the last few years they made him do it online because they're like, "You just stop stealing from these kids. We can't put mm-hmm. you on TV anymore." Yeah, and he's like, oh, "That's fine. I'll just do it on the internet." Yeah, uh, Robert De Niro was also uh, very good in here. See, the movie was, I thought it was going to be funnier going into it. I yeah. kind of knew about the, the kidnapping scheme and that there was, it was kind of different tonally, but it is a bit of a slow burn. I thought it was a bit slow at parts, mainly because De Niro's character is just so kind of insufferable. Yeah. He's kind of like an unfunny Michael Scott. We're just like, oh God, this guy again, you know, we got to hang out with him all day. The type of thing. I gotta say, if if I had to actually hang out with Michael Scott, I'd feel that <laughs> pretty quickly. I mean, he's not as dumb as Michael Scott or anything like that, but it was just more of a makes you uncomfortable, right? Uh, but I really love the ending to this. I thought it was pretty great. Uh, I thought it kind of saved it overall. Kind of gave a kind of a unique perspective. It would have gone into the theme of our media and culture episodes we did okay uh, last spring could have fit in there a little bit of a different angle but uh, yeah i would recommend it uh i will give it an eventually eventually oh also i wanted to watch this film because i guess it, it seems like it's alluded to in the new joker film it's kind of a similar storyline where he looks up to robert de niro's character yeah. who's a late night host and Joaquin Phoenix is a kind of a failed or unsuccessful comic. And it seems like there's similar parallels between the stories. I can see that. And they have Robert De Niro. So <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Lewis couldn't make it. <laughs> it's because he's dead. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Talking about slow burns. 
What did you see? I saw Ed Astra. Oh, good for you. And how was it? It was uh, directed by James Gray. It stars Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Ruth Naga, Donald Sutherland. What did you just say? Uh, Ruth Naga. I don't know if you remember. Uh, that's that's. The I remember that, from Loving. I remember that you don't know how to say names, and that you looked it up, and you still got it wrong. Well, the thing was, I I originally said what you said, Ruth Naga, which is how you say it. Yeah, but I thought that was just. It sounded too close to the slur that I was like, I it can't be this. It sounds like a bad word, so I looked it up and tried to sound it out phonetically using Wikipedia. And I you think mis- that was my problem. You misread it. In Wikipedia. Apparently. Because I thought it was Niaga. So then I started saying Niaga. You, so, you Ruth Nega. You looked at the uh the example and you confused yourself. Uh Kimberly Elise, Lauren Dean, Donnie Keshawars, uh Sean Blakemore, Bobby Nish, Lisa Gay Hamilton. John Finn. God, you just watching all these movies for many. all the slurs you get to say with people's names. Saying the F word, her name is, say the N word, and then just said gay. Her name is Lisa Gay. <laughs> John Ortiz is in there. Let's see. Liv Tyler is probably the other biggest name. Lisa Perry played woman in white pants. <laughs> uh, synopsis. Astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. Oh boy, was this a slow movie. So, I will say, visually fantastic. Like mm-hmm. They really went all out with their... You know, uh, cinematography and visual effects and all that stuff. Story-wise, it seemed like they took a short story and stretched it to two hours. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of s- scenes in there where it just seems like nothing is happening. And, uh, you know, people are raving about Brad Pitt's performance. Well, Brad Pitt's character is a guy who is even-keeled 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, always steady. So don't they say it's an understated performance? Understated, <laughs> yeah. And so the entire movie, he speaks in a very slow and monotonous tone, and he narrates the entire movie like that. And then, you know, it's... It's a very simple story. It's uh, these power surges are coming from the outer edges of the solar system. And they think it's from his father's expedition, as they said. And so they want him to go and uh, send a message out uh, to his father because they think that his father will respond to it. And then he ends up on his way to go to the outer edges of the solar system to actually investigate. And, you know, there's some steps in between, but, like, there's not a lot of, like, peril. You know, he's never really in danger. He endangers other people, just kind of, you know, unintentionally. 
and uh, but he's never never seems like he himself is in too much danger. And then the resolution is real. I don't know. I, I didn't really feel a lot of satisfaction with how the the story was resolved. Um, in fact, there's a scene at the end where I really wanted to laugh out loud, but the theater was dead silent and it was full, and <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy, so I held it in. But um, yeah, overall, it seemed like it was a lot of style over substance. Uh, so I'll give it a uh, last resort. All right. It's a last resort. And this, again, uh, the critics, I don't really understand. Because this one, the praises were a lot of the things that I didn't really like about the movie. Mm-hmm. It uh, It's an understated, minimalistic performance and script. It... I saw some critics say it's not afraid to quote other movies that came before it. So there's like heavy influence from like 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, I saw people comparing it to Apocalypse Now in Space. And like, it seems like a movie you've seen many, many times before. Mm-hmm. Very, it seems very unoriginal. But what do I know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm still interested in seeing it, although the way you describe it makes it sound like the last film I saw from this director, right. uh, The Lost City of Z, which came out a couple of years ago. Critics heaped praise on it. I think it's in, you know in the 90s around Tomatoes. It's supposed to be one of the better films of the year, and I was excited to see it. It was about a true story of a British explorer who goes down to the Amazon, you know, hanging out with... Uh, tribes that had never seen you know uh the outside world before or people from the outside world and i think it was about two and a half hours and you felt every damn minute of that yeah runtime it was it was one of the slowest movies i'd ever seen in my life and i was just like oh yeah and but i had great cinematography but yeah that's it yeah ed astra has a couple scenes that are pretty tense Mm -hmm. um but they're very short and the you know compared to all the scenes where just like slow motion him not really doing anything mm-hmm. all right well you're getting closer to the uh movie challenge segment uh, i'm gonna first talk about the crow without spoilers so the crow from 1994 directed by alex proyas Starring Brandon Lee, Michael Wincott, Rochelle Davis, Ernie Hudson, Bai Ling, Sophia Sheenas, Anna Levine, David Patrick Kelly. Your boy. Fire it up. Fire it up. Fire it up. <laughs> uh, Angel David, Lawrence Mason, Tony Todd, John Polito. Yeah, they got some uh, pretty good character actors in there. Yep. Synopsis. A man brutally murdered comes back to life as an undead avenger of his and his fiancée's uh, murderer. Murderers. It just says murder, but... I mean, there's like six of them. Yeah, I'd never seen The Crow before. I'd obviously heard so much about it. I knew the story. I'd heard about, you know... Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son, uh, was shot and killed on set during filming. Right. 
and you hear different stories of how that actually happened. You know, because I've I've heard two main stories, but you know, I went back to Wikipedia again, which is you know it's Wikipedia, but at uh, yeah, I mean, we can get into that when we talk about it more in depth. But uh, yeah, I would say uh, this movie didn't blow me away, but it was still great. Uh, I, I I'm sure if I would have seen this in the '90s. Oh yeah, I would have been a much bigger fan, but I still like it a lot. Uh, visually, pretty stunning. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, I would definitely say it holds up. Mm-hmm. It just kind of looks dated because everything's like, "Well, this is a grunge movie." <laughs> well, yeah, and the like I, music, and I mean, it's a bit goth, like I yeah, guess oh, with the style, definitely. And the soundtrack is all uh, like The Cure and Nine Inch Nails yep. and Marilyn Manson and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I like the performances. Um, yeah, like you said, there's a great group of uh, character actors in here. Uh, story's pretty good. Some of the action's pretty cool. You know, it, I can see why so many people wanted to fucking dress up like them every <laughs> Halloween. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty badass character. Yeah. Uh, makes me want to, you know, watch some more things with Brandon Lee. I almost pulled the trigger on a movie yesterday showdown in a little tokyo with him and dolph lundgren i started watching that and i didn't get through it uh i, I think i started falling asleep so i stopped and then i i never got around to watching it again that's mm-hmm. what was it? in that movie so he plays a uh like half white half japanese cop and then dolph lundgren is a cop too and then they get like forced to be partners mm-hmm and like it's a uh reverse stereotype thing where like Dolph Lundgren is like the the Japanese enthusiast and he like has respect uh, for the culture and he mm-hmm. observes a lot of their traditions and Brandon Lee is like a Beverly Hills yuppie okay <laughs> <laughs> but they both know karate mm-hmm. yeah i've heard that's kind of some cheesy good fun but uh, yeah, back to the crow. Yeah, I would say the what makes this movie stand out is probably the visuals and the style. Uh, I thought it was pretty unique that so there's this basically raven. That's one thing I was confused about. It's a raven that follows him around everywhere. No, it's a crow. It's not a crow. It's a big crow. I thought it looked like a raven because he even quotes Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Well, they say like ten times that it's a crow. Well. It looked like a raven. It's but. named after the bird, not the Brandon Lee's character. But yeah, it still looked like it, like the bird actually looked like a raven to me. But I know they were going for the crow, so that that's fine. But I don't know if I've ever seen a raven. Honestly, I assume it's just a big black bird. They look very similar, but I always thought crows had yellow beaks, whereas ravens had the black beak, like this bird. No, I don't think. That. Help us out, film Twitter. <laughs> Let us know. Anybody who's look a, it up right now. If you're a bird expert. <laughs> uh what's the technical term? Is it ornithologist? I think so. Yeah. Help us out with that too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he sees what the crow sees. Yeah, that's they kinda sweet. use like a it's weird a, lens or camera yeah. filter for it, which is kinda cool. Like black and white. So it's almost like he has a like a surveillance camera that can just fly around everywhere yep. and look at shit for him. <laughs> and the crow kind of leads him around to uh, uh, finding all the guys that were involved in the murder mm-hmm. of him and his girlfriend. 
And plus, the movie's worth watching just because of Ernie Hudson. Like, every time I see Ernie <laughs> Hudson come on screen, I'm just like, I feel good. I feel safe. I feel calm. He really did a good job in this one, I thought. Yeah, he's great in here. Yeah. He, he's always a calming influence. It's all, it's funny because he plays a character who used to be a detective, and then he got demoted for whatever reason. And the guy that's a detective now is always writing his ass about it. Mm. And so he's always like super sarcastic to him. Yeah. And he's like <laughs> real passive aggressive. Yeah. Still chain smoking like a motherfucker <laughs> in here though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 94. So I guess that's, yeah. and it's like, we said, it's a Gothic movie. So that's, mm-hmm. you can't not have people smoking in it. Yeah. So yeah, I will give it an eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Rewatch. I, I had rewatched it maybe two or three years ago for the first time and maybe probably more in five years and uh watching it again i was like damn this is a good shit um mm-hmm. i think it would still be a, an eventually for me too but uh it's great yeah all right so let's get right down to it this is a challenge i challenge you to watch Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Say what? <laughs> what? Say what? <laughs> say what? Say what? You're supposed to repeat it. Oh, wait. Lars von Trier's Antichrist. <laughs> that didn't go. You, you, <laughs> it didn't go how you thought it would, did you, it? You just totally did not pick up on that. No. All right. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? Repeat it again, and then what were you going to do? I was pretending to be... Like blown away with fear <laughs> and reluctancy that I would have to watch the Antichrist. <laughs> well, this film has already been semi spoiled for you on uh, what podcast were you listening to? Uh, the Tennish podcast okay. was doing an episode on Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. And then they went into great detail about a couple of scenes in Antichrist. I see. Because that's what you expect when you listen to a podcast about <laughs> Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so it won't be, uh, those couple of scenes won't be as big a shock to you. But uh, yeah, this movie is not for the uh, faint of heart. It is pretty extreme in its violence and its uh, graphic nature. Yeah. I it, think I had heard about those scenes before, but it, it's unrated, I believe. It's been a while since I've. Uh, I've I know heard it's not rated. Talk R. about it. So I think it's just unrated or not rated. I'm giving you my Criterion Blu-ray too to borrow, so you'll get the oh, best so that, picture possible the best for picture those scenes. Quality. <laughs> That's nice. It doesn't have a rating on it. Yeah. Well, it is uh, pretty even, extreme. Not even an unrating. 108 minutes. That ain't bad. Yeah. But yeah, it stars Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Pretty much nobody else. But Speaking uh, yeah. of Willem Dafoe, I just saw the trailer for the light or the lighthouse. Oh, I can't wait for that. Oh my god, that looks good. Yeah. Is it gonna be in four by three like that? Did he actually film it? I think it, it is. Uh, yeah. in the old school style because it looks like it's, it. Looks like he uh, he made it in the thirties, mm-hmm. maybe even before that. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Robert Eggers follow up to the. The Witch, The Vivage. So that should be good. Um, otherwise, before we get into spoilers, I'll kind of 
wrap up the show. You know, just in case you haven't seen The Crow, like myself. Yeah. It's um, on Netflix as of right now. Yeah, it's been on there for quite a while. Uh, years. A couple of years now. So I don't know if it's coming off anytime soon, but uh, you'll want to check that out. Uh, in the meantime, you can uh, reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie@yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis__movie or bread at positivelywolf1. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Or if people want to you know, help us out maybe a little more and support the show, yeah. buy some merch, where can they do that? You can go to teespring.com slash stores slash WTM. Watch this movie. Promo code horror will get you 10% off on a select few items. <laughs> uh, on the Mr. Positivity merch and the graffiti merch for sure. Uh, yeah. And if you want any items that used to be on there, you had your eye on it but didn't uh, go and buy them yet and I took them off, just let me know. I can get them back on there. So we mentioned, too, our next episode is going to be a, uh, what, movie leftover on... Psycho 2. Psycho 2. Yeah, that'll be fun. Sure will. So watch that in the meantime. It's on HBO, correct? I think you tweeted about it. Yeah, it's on HBO until October 1st, so... Get on that. Get in there before our uh, episode comes out. All right. Now we are to the spoiler section about The Crow. What you got? <laughs> so, yeah, I re-quote-unquote educated myself on his death again. I don't know if I ever looked up to see what scene he supposedly died in. Because there's a shit ton of scenes where he just gets fucking riddled with bullets. Yeah, I believe it's it's the one in walking in through the doorway in his apartment. Okay. Right in the beginning. They obviously didn't use the shot where he got killed. Mm-hmm. And they don't really use too many shots of him getting shot in there i noticed there was kind of a lack of that so well there's that one where he's in the uh the boardroom meeting and yeah they just unload on him mm. but other than that like but it gets, was just a single shot from a revolver well the one where he got killed yeah yeah, yeah. which is what uh david patrick kelly right uses he's the one who shoots him or was it uh what was that one guy's nickname uh skank no. Fun boy? Fun boy, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was him that shit. Fun boy who got the, all the needles in his heart? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the basic story goes, according to Wikipedia, is that uh, for that scene, and I do remember this shot, uh, when people use revolvers, you know, when you put blanks into a gun, there's mm. no bullet. Yeah. So the chambers are, are going to look empty in a revolver if the gun is pointed at the camera. Right. So there's some close-up shots in that scene of them pointing the gun at him. And you can see it looks like bullets in there. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they use real bullets, but they take out the gunpowder and they take out the like the primer. And especially when it you know, wasn't going to get used or you can even, you know, they can click it yeah, and then kind of add in effects later or what have you. Well, what happened was, I guess the primer, or I guess a part of the primer, I guess was still in there. Oh. And it didn't launch the bullet out, but it pushed it 
into the barrel from the chamber. Okay. And so it was left in the chamber. Mm. And so I guess the next day, from what I read, the uh, the main, I guess the guy who deals with the props, yeah, the main prop guy or the I guess the weapons checker guy was kind of gone for the day. Oh, and they had somebody who was a bit inexperienced, and he didn't check the barrel. Oh no! And so when they put blanks in the gun to fire and use, you know, the gunpowder and whatnot, yeah, you know, just hit the bullet and traveled out the barrel. It was basically the same as if it would have been a regular bullet fired yeah. normally. Yeah. Basically the same force. And it was pretty much point blank range. Although nowadays when you're filming those type of scenes, you don't even really point it at the other actor. Yeah. They, they kind of teach you to just, you know, point it just to the side. Mm-hmm. So you're not actually pointing the gun no matter what. Yeah. Now that might stem from, this incident, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, died younger than his dad. Yeah. He died at about 27, 28, and Bruce Lee died 32, I believe. Yeah, I don't know for sure how old he was. But, yeah, a lot of tragedy in that family. The uh, mother, uh, the widow of Bruce Lee, is still alive. I know he has at least one daughter still alive, too. Yeah, Cause she I saw that. Because she was all upset about uh, how he was showing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. But I think she kind of runs the estate. I would imagine. Anyways, anything that's less depressing about The Crow that stood out to you? I thought David Patrick Kelly, he's always the best. Yeah. I, I, I would say, though, that I thought this was one of his lesser or like least memorable roles from films that I've seen him in. I totally forgot he was in there, honestly. Mm-hmm. But once he was in there, I'm like, he's pretty good. Yeah. Like he's doing the usual David Patrick Kelly kind of shtick. Yeah. For movies when he's a kind of a villain or low life. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just like him in so many other movies better. Like he's funnier, I think, in other movies like The Warriors and whatnot. Yeah, he seemed a, a little... Commando. A little bit toned down compared to some of his other ones. Like, he didn't stick out as much as he does in other movies. Yeah. But him and Skank, I liked Skank. He was pretty good. He was the <laughs> guy with the mumble mouth. That yeah. He was the last one that gets killed. Mm-hmm. I always thought that the like the, the head guy, the guy with the long hair, who was kind of running shit. Yeah. I always thought he looked like the lead singer from the cult. <laughs> But it's not him. Yeah, I recognized him right away because he's in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yeah? He plays Guy of Gisborne. <laughs> he's got that gravelly voice. Like he's smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. Skin can't make it. He came down with a slight case of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was quite the setup he had in this club. He just kind of hung out up there all the time with his... With his his best lady, I guess. It was his sister. That was his sister? <laughs> they said that. Okay, I must have missed that when I was taking notes or something. I think we Not broke notes, her. But... <laughs> he was having three ways with his sister. Okay. They, I don't know what they did to that lady, but they apparently fucked her to death. The lady was Asian, wasn't she? He, he said they had the same father. Okay. So uh, I guess they're half-siblings. But they had that other girl in the bed, and he just turns over... I think we broke her. Yeah. She's just dead. (laughs) 
And then they uh, they uh, fry up her eyeball. Mm-hmm. He had yeah. a lot of cocaine on his desk, too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they seem to uh, like torture a lot. <laughs> it was uh, fashionable in the in the nineties. S and M. He seemed to be inspired by Hellraiser. It seemed like that would be his favorite movie. I think a lot of S and M was because he had that movie, and then uh, was it? Yeah, Pulp Fiction came out that year. They had the Gimp, mm-hmm. and uh, People Under the Stairs came out the year before. They had the Gimp in that movie. Yeah. Or maybe even a couple years before, mm-hmm. which is fucking weird. Yeah, I saw this film almost didn't see the light of day because of the tragedy. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they had. They must have filmed most, if not all, of the movie by the time they got to that, that setup. But they, they really did a good job of, yeah, you know, filling in anything that they had missed. Yeah, there's just a couple of things left. I, I believe I, I read he only had three days left of shooting. Okay. So it's just a couple of shots where they use kind of stunt doubles and it's darker. You know, it's a very dark movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Miramax, you know, leave it to the Weinsteins <laughs> to uh, swoop in and save the day. They're like, no, we can't let this be shelved. So I guess they put a lot of money into the post-production work to kind of help with the transition. I'm sure. You know, making up for uh, Brandon Lee, but also other special effects. And I think they pumped about $8 million into it. For a final budget of about thirteen, well, you know, uh, Hatch and, and it was a big hit at the box office. You know, Hatch and Harvey, he'll cut anything down to an hour <laughs> and forty minutes, yeah, except for Tarantino's stuff <laughs> and Grindhouse. He's like, you know, too much. Well, Grindhouse was two mi- two movies that are an hour yeah. and forty each. Yeah, and they both had un unrated, uncut versions that mm-hmm. were like twenty minutes longer. Yeah, but it was still that, you know, when you saw in the theater, it was three hours and 15 minutes. That's true. I think a lot of people walked out on, uh, during the intermission, too. Cause yeah, they, 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 forgot, just one, <laughs> they one forgot there was a second movie or they didn't know. Yep. Do you think anything else in The Crow? About the little girl. How did you like how she recognized him based off that one offhand, uh, can't rain all the time? Yeah, that and, and so it was she, like he's he's wearing the makeup, and he looks you know he doesn't look like he does without the makeup. <laughs> but then she's like, I gotta go listen to the record to to make sure it's him, and it's just like it didn't even sound like it was a real song because it would fit so poorly. Yeah, can't rain all the time. <laughs> can't rain all the time. Can't rain all the time. I thought it was funny that every time she stepped on the street with her skateboard, a car would just honk, <laughs> get out of the road. Like the car would be like not even going to be coming close to her. Just like out of the road. <laughs> well, like the closest uh, near miss was when he saved her. Yeah. And then she gets mad at him and like, you know, you, you were about to get hit by that taxi because he wasn't slowing down. Let go of me. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, that mother of hers. I remember her from uh, Unforgiven. Have you seen Unforgiven? Not yet. Uh, Clint Eastwood Western from '92 that won Best Picture. She, she's like the uh, she's the plot device of the film. Oh yeah. She plays a prostitute who gets her. Uh, she maybe makes an off-color comment about uh, her John's member. Oh no! And she gets her face cut up in the <laughs> beginning of the movie, so all the other prostitutes 
collect their money and they pay Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman to go kill these guys. Okay. That's the that's the plot. So she's the cut up whore. I, I like the scene where... Using uh, the term from Unforgiven. <laughs> I liked her scene with her and uh, Fun Boy in the apartment. There's a couple things I like that about that was uh, when uh, Eric Draven comes in and he tells his joke. Says that Jesus Christ went uh, to uh, to an inn and he goes to the, the innkeeper and <laughs> says, uh, "Do you got three nails? Can you put me up for the night?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, speaking of Eric Draven, you know, there's there's a couple of clips in there I could use for myself. You, you know, could, Eric. Yeah. But uh, and then uh, the second thing I liked was when he pulls the uh, the morphine out of her veins. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. She was just a Courtney Love surrogate, is what she was. <laughs> People versus Larry Flint was '96, I think. Okay. But well, this was you know '94. Kurt Cobain died. Yeah. And uh, she would have been in the news because of, I mean, being with Kurt before that, her drug use, whole. Yeah. I mean, they were married before Cobain died. Yeah. So. But that's where it, it kind of got the grunge vibe. I mean, besides the goth vibe, it was like it was like her, the, the heroine. They had one the, scene uh, where... Some of the music was grunge-like. They had one the scene where they were listening to Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Where they were... Uh, they blew up a store, and then when they were driving away, they were listening to that. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, the dude that played the pawn shop owner? He's always good. Uh, Polito. Yeah. Yep. Uh, forgetting what else, because I remember him from certain things too, but I forget what I mainly remember him from. Well, he's in all the uh, Coen Brothers stuff, and yep. then he was the super on Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> It's one where uh, Jerry tries to... Where he's got a purse. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and Newman is banging his wife. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he always had like the worst comb over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think the movie holds up because of the visual style. Like I said, it looks dated, but at the same time, it looks also unique. Oh, for even sure. Even for the... The time period, I think. And it's a Halloween movie, so it fits. Yeah. Fits the theme. Two Halloweens in one movie. It opens on Halloween, and then a year later. It ends on Halloween. Yeah. It's actually Devil's Night. Yeah. They have Devil's Night greeting cards. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you want to bring up? No, I don't think so. All right. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man. Why do you always shut your door, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man. You lost my case.